0: we mm-hmm. Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is one of the foremost collectors of Tony and Verdi's magic. My guest is Chuck Caputo. We discuss one of the major pioneers in electronic magic and how clever his props were. Nick Lacoppo stops by the show to discuss the featured product of the week from Mark Calabrese. Before all of that, we start the show with one of our quickfire segments where we imagine a reality where a magician has one book and just what that one book would be. This week, it's Eric Buss on Desert Island Magic Books. Eric Buss, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's say you wash up on a desert island with one magic book, and it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to fall apart in the wind (laughs) and the rain and the sand. What is your Desert Island Magic Book?
1: One book. Uh, can I also have a coconut to drink?
0: Yes. Uh, so the, the the mythos of this island keeps growing as we do it. So it is assumed that you have basically a fully stocked magic store, with the exception that they have no books. <laughs> uh, and there's a resort that has all of your uh, food and drink needs met. Needs met, and you have an audience there. So oh, the, good. the restriction is, it's a it's a very nice, well-appointed island. It's I just know. that it, it's very thin on books.
1: I definitely need my ball and vase while I'm on an island. <laughs> How about ships and crew? Cruise ships and boats. Does it have that?
0: Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I think the book I would bring would be Tommy Wonder's books.
0: The. the Ooh,
1: did I sneak two books into one? The
0: books of wonder. Yeah. No. People have, wonder. people have tried to do that before. So which um, which volume?
1: I don't remember.
0: <laughs> which 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 trick is it that you're thinking of? It's
1: not even the tricks. It's all those essays oh. were so good, and yeah. I would as a I don't know when I bought them when I was you know young mm-hmm. kid twenty year old something. I would read those essays almost weekly yeah. and be reminded of just little things and tidbits of knowledge that he uh, expressed. And, you know, we've been talking about difficult tricks versus mm-hmm. easy and stuff. And some of his tricks to build are insane. Oh,
0: craziness. Yeah. And
1: it's fun seeing how it works. But I, I'm not going to build a lot of that stuff. No. No. Um, But the essays alone were worth, I think, those books. Oh, yeah. Uh, And those, even if you learn a trick, you kind of shelf the book. Those essays I would go back to all the time, and that's why it would be so important.
0: Yeah, uh, his his essays on misdirection and just, like, all of the, the little things that he talks about that really, like, made Tommy Wonder, like, such a wonderful... Like, yes, he was a brilliant builder. Yes, he was a brilliant technician. But I think it was sort of his approach to magic and performing that really yeah. made him stand out. And you're going to get better reading those, those essays.
1: Absolutely. And they were just inspirational as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Are, are there... Just out of curiosity, are there any Tommy Wonder tricks that you ever, like, tried to add into your act or...
1: That's not really. Mm -hmm. Now I'm trying to think back. I got to go check those books. I've always loved Mugged and his version of Mugged. Mm -hmm. Um, The Ringwatch Wallet. Yes, I. Yeah. I guess it's called Mugged Elsewhere. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Yes, I love that. That would probably be one that I might try to perform. Try Mm -hmm. to pull off. No, most of it was. And when I bought the books they were way above my skill level. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, I can check back now. I, I do go back to them now, but when I bought them, I opened them up and went, okay, well, this is all way above my skill level, but these essays are great. <laughs> uh, and I don't say that in a disappointing way, but I guess I never really thought I would do the tricks in the Tommy Wonder books. Yeah. They were just something I wanted to add to the collection, and like I said, the essays I always go back to, and they're just really fun to read.
0: i I I'm with you. Well, the Books of Wonder is a great thing, a a great great book to, a great series of books to have on a, on a Desert Island. Eric Buss, yes. thanks so much for joining us here on Desert Island Magic Books. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Eric for joining me on Desert Island Magic Books. Now, on to the main event. Chuck Caputo is not just a magician and performer, but he is fascinated by magic performed with electronics. He has put together one of the largest and most complete collections of Tony and Verdi's incredible magic. And while magic with electronics is commonplace to us with today's incredible technology that uses tiny batteries, wireless protocols, and what are essentially supercomputers, Computers that we carry in our pocket. Tony and Verity created incredible magic using electronics that nowadays kids would only see in the Smithsonian. Chuck has collected and curated an amazing collection of Tony's electronic wizardry, and now you get to join our conversation. Chuck Computer, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm, uh, I'm glad that you reached out to us because I recently became aware of the history of uh, a set of dice that I've been using in my act from Tony and Verity. And according to what I'm reading here, you're one of the, you have one of the largest collection of Tony and Verity, uh, props, memorabilia, uh, historical items of relevance. Can you tell us a little bit about Tony and
2: Verity? Absolutely, Eric, no problem at all. Tony and Verity, uh, he was a great inventor. He was born in 1925 in Holland, and he passed away in 1995. And believe it or not, he was a baker. He, He started off as a baker and then he, uh, he, uh, he uh, did some clowning type of work. So, so he was a part-time clown. And then uh, he, just, he just got into building different things. He started with liquid magic which I have a lot of his uh, liquid magic effects too. He built the different types of trays where you put, you know, where you put two glasses on there, two clear glasses. Mm -hmm. And when you pour milk into one glass, the other one would fill up. And then you would, you would pick this one up and drink it. while the other one would fill up and go back and forth. Uh, Very, very clever items. Uh, He had different bottles, like I said, different trays. Uh, He was an ingenious uh, fantastic man. And then later on in life, he started to build the electronic miracles, which he was actually the pioneer in electronic magic. I mean, there were several other people at that time as well, but I think he took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of the electronic effects that he came out with uh, is, is the uh, the inverted talking skull, which mm-hmm. is, which is a small skull that's basically mounted on a clear plexiglass uh, backward. And the uh, the skull would open and close; it would actuate, yeah. and it would be great for like card selections, uh, mentalism, things of that nature. Uh, the inverted key box is fantastic. It's, uh
0: What is the What is the key box for for those of you who? Because literally, my knowledge of Tony starts oh, and ends <laughs> with dice. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and all of the, I know that there's a lot of, and we'll talk a little bit about those in just a little bit, but, uh, I, as I got more and more interested in those, in those dice that I I think we're all familiar with mental dice, um, uh, I started reading more and more about the history of Tony and, and his early forays into electronics and magic, which is, he was doing a lot with very primitive electronics. I think it's fair to say.
2: Right, exactly. You know what? He started probably like in the late '60s, early '70s, and mm-hmm. things at that time were not encoded like like they are today with mm-hmm. the key fob remotes. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, the things he used were basically very common frequencies, which is like a, a like an RC car mm-hmm. channel twenty seven, channel forty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interference would be great in those in those things. So you know what? Most of his effects. Out in the real world, probably couldn't be trusted nowadays, to be honest with you, yeah. because it would, it would pick up a lot of interference. But uh, yes, we're, as, as compared to now, now what, what you had mentioned, Eric, was the, was the mental dice. And mm-hmm. yeah, Murphy's Magic is doing a great job. They actually purchased the Inverting line mm-hmm. and they're redesigning the whole line. So they're so they came out with the uh, mental dice, where the three version one, where there's three different colored die. Mm-hmm. They came out with a single die, which is either black or white, and it works on a, a vibration type of a thing. Yeah,
0: the single die is what I use in my, in my act. And, yeah, and, uh, oh, it's
2: fantastic. But those
0: are, those are based on uh, dice that Tony had created, which operated differently, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yes, that is correct. His Anverdi mental die that he came out with in 1976, I guess, somewhere in that area uh, era. Uh, yeah, it was much bigger. It was about a two and a half inch square die. It was an opaque black plexiglass die. The one mm-hmm. spot opened it up, there was a screw hidden underneath there, like mm-hmm. a screw uh, body. And basically, you would unravel it, you could unscrew it. And that's how you got into the the die itself, which held a 9-volt battery. So,
0: yeah, yeah, so it was pretty big. Uh, <laughs> so you...
2: once you put it back together, Eric, well, then you'd drop, you would have a spectator drop it into a black opaque box, mm-hmm. and they would close the lid. And yet from across the room, you would still be able to uh, discern which, you know, which uh, digit was facing upwards. Uh, The inside box had a magnet mounted in the bottom and Mm -hmm. each of the sides of the die had a a read switch. So, so once they drop it in, it would would complete the circuit and send a signal to a black receiver. And it was fairly, you know, by today's standards, it was large. I mean, it was probably about, four maybe five inches long maybe about two inches wide and a, uh, a corresponding red LED would light up and that would tell you what you know which number was facing upwards but that thing gets out of tune a lot I mean I actually have one still yet and I I do use it to you know to like uh, display it's like different magicians and mm-hmm. so forth but I don't really use it in in you know like for an actual performance because it does pick up interference and it gets out of tune literally for no reason I mean you yeah. can have this thing on a shelf and don't touch it for maybe a year you come back or even even a half year and it's and it's out of tune for no reason.
0: Oh, that is, that is wild. It's, it's crazy <laughs> to think like, I mean, like the design that they've done is, is obviously really, it's a very wonderful device, the, the mental dice that, uh, that Murphy's has come out with. But man, what a complex way to do that with multiple read switches and magnets oh, and a 9-volt battery. Yeah. yeah,
2: One effect uh, which I should mention it's, it's based on that principle as well. It's a very unusual effect and I do have one in my collection. It's called the voice box. Mm-hmm. Now, this thing this thing is unbelievable. You have six, six small magic markers, slender magic markers that are in a holder in your breast jacket pocket mm-hmm. and you have a black box uh, that's on your table and a spectator uh, uh, one spectator can name any number from let's see one to five and the other one can name another number from one to five. So uh, so let's assume you had number forty-four selected. So you pull out the the, the magic marker in the four slot. As mm-hmm. it as it comes out, it would activate a read switch and send send the audible signal to the box that says number four. Then when you write number forty-four on a piece of paper, you put it back into to the slot on number four. On the other side of the transmitter, when you open the box, a robotic voice would say forty-four. I mean, it was that was a wow. really really complex piece.
0: That is, that is, what? I can't even Im- imagine,
2: so can't even he, imagine yeah. how
0: he's yeah. doing a lot of this. So he, I mean, he is working with electronics, but not just, like, sending simple signals. I mean, at this point, he's sending, like, things that are... Multiple,
2: ads. absolutely, multiple. Uh, like, in that case, it would it would be audible, but he had trimmers on there that would actually cut some of the... Uh, it would actually cut some of the speech out, you know, mm-hmm. like it would say 044. Oh, so he'd have a trimmer on her where it would say 44. You'd have to adjust it. Again, that would get out of tune mm-hmm. quite a bit, but it's, I mean, it's an ingenious effect. And uh, he came up with that probably back in the 70s as well, maybe the late 70s. Uh, the last piece he made is the die, the Inverti floating die, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Don't quote me on this, but I'm just about positive. Uh, before he passed away, he made the floating die, which was a little black plexiglass die that you drop into a tube and you cap it on each end it stands upright and it'll float up and down and you can take the cap off and dump it out and you can pass it for examination eric i mean there's nothing to be found
0: that's wild is that now is that an electronic device as well sorry to interrupt but this week the show is brought to you by super shuffle by mark calabrese nick Lacapo stopped by the show to discuss this incredible gimmick that i guarantee you will want inside your deck of cards Nick, here's one that I'm kind of surprised we've never talked about, mm. uh, but this is a Mark Calabrese thing called Super Shuffle.
3: Yes, yes, this one flew under the radar. Yeah, you know, and uh, I don't know why. Why? Why did should this we? One...
0: Should we tell people about this? Because no. I've, I've low key been using this since I got introduced yeah, to let's it. Let's
3: not do this.
0: No. No, I think, I mean, if you're listening to this right now, just like we're going to have two minutes of silence so that the episode is long enough, but just fast forward because we're not going to tell you what it
3: is. (laughs) Are we going to, what else can we talk about? Now, uh, Super Shuffle, Mark Calabrese. I mean, if you're not familiar with Mark, he's just one of the best close up card workers in the world. Um, Got invited out to Blackpool to Mm -hmm. represent North America or America, I think. Maybe, I don't know if it was North America or America. is that the same thing? North American America? Or is that Canada? I, think, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I can't uh, even remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He, he's great. Uh, and this is an amazing gimmick. It, uh, it lives so, in your deck. And it's a way to protect a small stack of cards. And the audience can shuffle cards.
3: Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, so you're going to learn like, a trick here where there's just an absurd amount of shuffling going on. just Just yeah. table washes, absolute chaos shuffles, right? And then the deck is reassembled and... Through the course of a a progressive through the routine, there's like eight or nine cards that get turned face up in the deck, and those eight or nine cards happen to be the spectator's phone number, or Mm -hmm. your phone number, or the serial number on a bill, whatever, right? Because yes, what this device does is allow you to control a small stack of cards through a ridiculous amount of shuffling.
0: And you know, this is one of those things that there are. There's some really great tricks out there. Even downloads on Penguin that require you to like learn a couple of false shuffles so that you can protect a small stack of cards. You know, suit cut to order. I've used suit shuffle for. Uh, there's a couple of really great Jason Ladani tricks uh, that involve like a small stack of cards that you got to hide. Uh, there's a whole bunch of really great tricks out there that. Yes, you can do the routine from Mark Calabrese, but you can use this gimmick to just dramatically enhance the power level of a wide variety of card tricks.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a real utility card device. Only scratch the surface of uh, what what I can do with it. Like I've played with it at some of the conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a weird one to try to do live for magicians because I just don't know what the right trick is. I have to show a magician for, for this to like, you know, hit home. Mm -hmm. But for layman, man, like those shuffles are too fair. Yeah. They're just too, too fair. And, um, you'll fool a lot of people with this thing.
0: Super Shuffle by Mark Calabrese. Check it out. That was Super Shuffle by Mark Calabrese, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the bodacious listeners to this podcast receive 25% off Super Shuffle when they enter the special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is STACKED. That's STACKED, S-T-A-C-K-E-D, when you have Super Shuffle in your cart at checkout. And that code is only good for Super Shuffle and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Chuck Caputo.
2: Like in that case, it would it would be audible, but he had trimmers on there. It would it would actually cut some of the uh, it would actually cut some of the speech out. You know, mm-hmm. like it would say O oh, 44. So he'd have a trimmer on there where it would say 44. You'd have to adjust it. Again, that would get out of tune quite a bit. But it's I mean it's an ingenious effect, and uh, he came up with that probably back in the 70s as well, maybe the late 70s. Uh, the last piece he made is the die, the inverti floating die, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Don't quote me on this, but I'm just about positive. Uh, before he passed away, he made the floating die, which is a little black plexiglass die that you drop into a tube and you cap it on each end. It stands upright and it'll float up and down, and you could take wow. the cap off and dump it out, and you could pass it for examination. Eric, I mean, there's nothing to be found.
0: That's wild. Is that yeah. now is that an electronic device as well? Or?
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, how did you uh, first get started collecting uh, and Verity's materials?
2: Yeah, the way I got into electronic magic period was, you know, I'm here in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. so I've been doing magic now for about 38 years professionally. I guess in about 1986, somewhere in that area, I had a, I had the good fortune of doing a magic show here in Pittsburgh with the great Del Rey, oh. which he's also... A, oh,
0: Del Rey was another, I mean, I've heard stories, like legends yeah. about Del Rey's yeah. electronic table.
2: Exactly. So I, so I had the good fortune of working with him at at a club here in Pittsburgh, like in the mid '80s. And so at that time, I was only 23 years old, something like that. I didn't even know who he was, to be honest with you, because I was just getting into this professionally. And so I had done my show, and he was doing his show. And so my dad came with me that night. He said, "You have to come out and see this guy. He's unbelievable." And I was just stunned what I was seeing. I mean, there was there was a table walking across the stage, like you said, shooting fire. Mm-hmm. There was a little stuffed bear that was pouring a drink and drinking. it. I mean, it was unbelievable. So uh, so once he was done, he was kind enough to, you know, uh, he actually showed me some of his magic backstage. And uh, he was a very, very nice man. We actually became mm-hmm. acquaintances. Oh, you know, nice. Uh, we, we touched base uh on the phone for you know probably for the next 20, 25 years until he passed away. And uh yeah, so that's what got me into electronic magic. So then I found out the name of Anverdi. And at that point, Eric, there was no internet or any way to find things out. So I had to call around and see, well, who is this Anverdi guy? Yeah. So they uh so they said, hey, I have a barking dog here for sale for X amount of money. <laughs> so I said what the heck is that? So they explained it to me. I said, okay. So I started buying things and mm-hmm. you know what apparently I collected the right thing, Eric, because Anverdi's hot for some reason yeah. for the last several years it's been hot. I mean I've been I've been written uh, I couldn't tell you how many emails I get asking about his props and you know podcasts that, you know you know to go on and so yeah. forth.
0: Well, you know there's something really wonderful about electronic magic because even though like you know I'm a sleight of hand guy and I know a lot of people like uh, sort of are worried about like putting their faith in electronics uh, for stuff <laughs> there are there are amazing things that you can do with electronics that are just not possible any other way. And it sounds like, right. like Anverdi was just at the, at the bleeding edge of technology. And I, I wish that I could see what he, as inventive as some of his stuff was, it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see what he could do with today's technology.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know what, if he wouldn't have passed away, you know, I mean, who knows what the heck he would have, he would have gotten into, you know, but you brought up an interesting point. I'm a sleight of hand guy also. So I Mm -hmm. got my start in complex sleight of hand. You know, I would always recommend to anybody getting, you know, getting into magic to get your start in sleight of hand. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you do perform uh, any type of uh, magic that involves electronics, have an out. Yes. Okay. You know what? I've been doing this stuff for many, many years and I don't care how good it is something may go wrong so mm-hmm. have some type of an out even even to get you out of trouble a little bit
0: <laughs> all it all it takes is uh forgetting to charge your device one time exactly and uh exactly and or if
2: you do not change the batteries you know, that's the biggest <laughs> problem you know there's a lot of people i know eric that they'll mm-hmm. they'll, they'll use an effect with the same batteries mm-hmm. you know like 20 times <laughs> you know what i use new batteries every single mm-hmm. performance it costs a lot, you know yeah. what I mean. But if you're going to do it, do it the right way. Always use the name brand batteries that are top of the line. Uh, things things do charge nowadays too, so they do put the rechargeable batteries in as mm-hmm. well. Yeah.
0: So uh, presumably, you you worked with Murphy's on the Anverdi's mental dice. Uh, what was what was your contribution to that project? Just out of curiosity.
2: Yeah, you know what they they got wind of that I got the largest Anverdi collection, so they contacted me and. This is this is pre-COVID. Now we're talking oh, yeah, twenty yeah. Uh, the beginning of twenty nineteen, I guess. And so they asked if I'd be interested in maybe uh, collaborating with them mm-hmm. and to uh, demonstrate some of the Inverted stuff and maybe you know uh, speak about the original stuff, which I did. If, mm-hmm. if, if you go on their site, uh, particularly if you buy one of their items, yeah, give you a passcode where you can go on there. And I'm actually uh, demonstrating the the Inverted. Uh, uh, the Mental Diet, you know, mm-hmm. which is the original one. So, mm-hmm. I, so I explain about it. I actually take it apart to show what's inside of it and everything. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, so so they were kind enough to, you know, get in touch with me. And so I, so I was more than happy to do it because mm-hmm. I think that this is a piece of magic history that has to be carried on, mm-hmm. you know. So they, they were kind enough to fly up here to Pittsburgh because it was just too much for me to box up all this stuff and ship it down there. I wouldn't be sure if it's going to get there in one piece. It would break. It would be misplaced. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take that chance. Yeah,
0: no, especially with some of the stuff that, I mean, you just can't get anymore because- because i mean a he passed away but b like being able to to find some of that stuff is just difficult
2: it's, it is it is uh it is very difficult you know and uh a lot of things are getting to the point where his his original props aren't working anymore so mm-hmm. the only alternative you have is to get somebody to take out the electronics and to replace it with modern electronics mm-hmm. the actual shell you know the, the actual casing is still going to be there the actual skull is an example you know mm-hmm. but you have to cut out all the electronics and actually go into the uh, coil that will activate the skull's jaw mm-hmm. so you have to replace it it'll it'll actually pick up a lot better than it ever did it'll pick up you know maybe a 100 feet away now <laughs> you know at, as, as compared to 10 feet 20 mm-hmm. feet years ago it's- but that does deduct from the value as well so if it's not original mm-hmm. electronics inside it will deduct from the value
0: what uh what what would you say is Tony and Verity's lasting contribution to magic? Like what, what is, what is what people are going to remember him for uh, going forward? Now, now that we're seeing some of his, his creations brought back to life, what are people going to want to go back? Yeah,
2: I would, I would definitely say, Eric, they're going to remember him as, you know, one of the main electronic pioneers in magic Mm -hmm. and the microelectronics, you know, just, just way ahead of his time. I mean, uh, and the man that was only a baker, I mean, wow, he put together some amazing stuff. (laughs) I mean, where he got his ideas, Is uh, beyond me, but I think yeah, he's he's in he he will be embedded into the magic community as a magic pioneer Mm -hmm. of electronic magic. Like I said, there was other ones Mm -hmm. uh, as well, um, but I think he would remain the most well-known one. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as Del Rey goes, you know, it seems like he's known amongst magicians. Yeah, the the general public do not know his name very well. It's weird, but you know, most of the magicians, of of course, wow, he was he was Del Rey, yeah. But if you go out in the general public, they don't know who he is. Do mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, but he was fantastic as well. Uh, I'm out here in Pittsburgh, just outside the city. He lived in the city. He's literally he was literally about 20 minutes away from my house. Oh wow, that's wild. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, if if people wanted to find more out more about uh, Tony and Verdi's materials, they could obviously they could they could purchase the mental dice and see you doing the the. Uh, the original effect in there. And I believe on their webpage where at the Mental Dice, there is a brief history about Tony and Verdi. But where could other people go to find out more about Tony and Verdi's materials?
2: Well, uh, the internet is a good place to start, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, he, he, he did write several books. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote uh, the miracle with liquids, I believe in 1964. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that you can find out on used lists. Okay. And he had two lecture notes, which are kind of booklets, I think around the same time era, maybe 1964, 1965. Mm-hmm. And on the lecture notes, he explains a lot of things with, you know, like handkerchiefs, silks with strings and, and our rings, you know, he, you know, he was very clever with that as well, Eric. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't, you know, uh, do not uh, s- uh, seem to know this, but you know what, he had the uh, silks that would go off of a, in like a solid ring and you'd mm-hmm. drop it into the ba- paper bag. And oh, yeah. come out. It would be off. Yeah. So if you check his lecture notes and miracle uh, with liquids, there are several routines that are pretty cool, you know, with his, uh, you know, with his ring and strings. Then in 1992, I believe a few years before he died, he wrote 50 years of um, magic uh, inventions or uh, creations, mm-hmm. and it was a hardback cover. It, w- it was covered by most of the major magic uh, mm-hmm. dealers uh, throughout the world. And there, he actually gives schematics of his electronic boards and so forth. Oh, wow. and he goes more into detail about it, and he, and he tells about himself in there. So that's a really cool book. Oh, yeah. and that came out in 92, it went for about 50 bucks. I think now it's up to about 250 300
0: Wow. Well, if people can lay their hands on it, they should definitely check it out. Chuck, C- Chuck Caputo, thanks so much for joining us here on the Penguin Magic Podcast no and problem. talking to us about Tony and Verity. See you next time. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks to Chuck for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Real quick, there are only a couple of seats left for my Penguin Magic School class, Demystifying the Moves. We're going to be working together to learn some sleight of hand that will give you access to a whole new world of tricks. By the end of the class, you're going to be more confident in doing the rough stuff when you perform for your audiences. Next week on the show, our guest is the 2018 International Champion of Close-Up Magic. He won the International Brotherhood of Magicians Gold Cups Close-Up Contest and appeared on Penn & Teller Fool Us, but most importantly, he's the host of this show. Nick Lacapo is going to be taking over the hosting next week to talk to me about qualifying to compete at FISM. When you're listening to this episode, I will be in Quebec City at FISM North America qualifying to represent the U.S. and the World Championships of Magic. Nick and I are going to talk about the road to competition, how it went, what I would do differently, and more importantly, what it's like to lose to shoot a Gawa. I'm looking forward to sharing the experience with all of you. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you get most of your Animore fan fiction from. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to tell my therapist to tell me because 90% of competition is mental bro you want to walk into a wizard battle first you win the battle in your mind but if competing isn't your thing you can always hit me up on instagram at eric tate that's at e-r-i-k-t-a-i-t from me and everyone else here as well as my dog Rocco at the p3 magic studios practice practice perform